Hi, I'm Ryan, and welcome to Joni Jams, a podcast going album by album through Joni Mitchell's entire discography. Today, I'll be reviewing Joni Mitchell's final studio album, Shine, that came out September 25th, 2007. Yes! Here we are, here we are, here we are! The final, the final grand, grand slam of albums. We are finally at that point, you guys. We were at the final studio album of Joni Mitchell after, uh, this will be what, episode 21? 21 episodes of albums. We are finally here. Um, I say that in a happy and sad way. A happy way, I'm like, oh, that's a lot of work doing these podcasts. But then also it's like, oh, it's kind of sad. Like, I... I'm going to be sad not talking about Joni Mitchell every week. Uh, but there's one more episode after this to go that's going to be a little closing epilogue sort of moment. And I will be ranking next episode all of Joni Mitchell's albums. I will be ranking them in my opinion. Um, that's kind of what the final episode is going to be. It's going to be because uh, I've listened to all the albums now, so I can like give a little full ranking, I guess. So that's sort of what next week will be. But this week is all about Shine. So I'm very excited to talk about Shine. Uh, It's interesting because I probably, this was probably her last album that I got into. I really had no interest in listening to it. Um, The cover wasn't very interesting to me. The music at the surface didn't seem very interesting to me, like lyrically and just like the sounds of the songs. I was like, "Ah, I don't really think that this album's for me. So I sort of pushed it away. And also, I think that in my head, it was kind of compartmentalizing this idea that once I listen to Shine, I will no longer have any new Joni Mitchell material to listen to. I guess excluding like the archival stuff that comes out, but that's really, you know, that's not new stuff. That's just sort of different versions of other material. So this was kind of like I was holding off as much as possible. And then I finally got into it. Uh, I think it was a, it was in August. This past August, I decided to really get into it. And it was... Uh, an interesting experience. I was not expecting a lot of the things that I heard in this album. I was like, oh, what's that? Or, oh, that's interesting. There are a lot of things that I just didn't remember hearing when I had kind of skimmed through it a year ago, two years ago. I don't know, whenever I was first getting into Joni Mitchell. So, uh, yeah, but I'm very excited to talk about it. There's a lot of things I didn't know about this album, kind of what was going on around this time about this album that I think would be very are going to be very interesting to talk about. So, yeah, I'm very, I'm just very excited overall to go through this final big period in Joni's career. I think it's great that she had one last kind of big final closing statement to her career. I think many artists' final albums, you just kind of like, oh, that was their final album, and, you know, what else is happening? (laughs) You know, not very interesting. But I think, you know, Joni found a way to, even after being in the business for 30-something years, to still make a very impactful and important album. I sort of think of this album as sort of her final her final warning of, you know, what can happen if people don't listen to the message she was trying to give out about, you know, environmentalism and the world the world is going. I mean, she says in the song This Place, which we'll get into, when this place looks like a moonscape, don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> it's a very funny lyric. Okay, so let's get into the details on the album shine. So it peaked at number 14 on the Billboard charts, which I will have you guys know that is the highest peak a Joni Mitchell studio album had since Hygiera. I'll let the silence be an indication of how I feel about that. That's literally insane that since her album in 19, what was it, 76, Joni has not had an album peak this high. I mean, it's crazy. But isn't it really cool that it her final album was able to peak at number 14? I think that that's so cool. Like, 
that long in the game and she was still able to peak that high on the Billboard charts. Like, that's very exciting to me. I don't know. I'm sure she was very excited about that, too. And it sold 60,000 copies in its first week of release, which I think is completely awesome. I mean, I think 60,000 is a pretty good pretty good sale number for someone this far into her career. I mean, I don't really know what, you know, sales are constituted as good now, but I'm going to assume that they were good then. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, but this is Joni's first and I guess last new album of material, new material since Taming the Tiger in 1998, I think it was. I don't really write down those dates. And uh, this album sort of began, I kind of go through like a little background of how like you know, how she got to the point where this album came out. So uh, after Travelogue, where Joni was basically saying, I am retiring, I'm ready to leave the music business, uh, the record company basically told her, uh, I got this from a Joni Mitchell interview, she said, where every contract in the music industry, or most contracts, are in 10-year increments. And so she was coming on the end of her 10-year increment, and so she released Travelogue. The studio said, look, Joni, uh, we think that this is a great album, we love it, but we don't have a place for you, so we're letting you go, and we're putting you into a boutique label, like, not a big label anymore. And she was just like, okay, so I'm getting chastised and punished for making good material because it doesn't fit with what everyone else is doing. She's like, what, do I have to get bad now? And so she was like, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm done. So she decided to retire and was painting, she was with her family, her daughter and her grandson, who I think was still very young at the time, and just kind of enjoying life. Then, spookily, or out of nowhere, <laughs> in an interview with the uh, Ottawa Citizen in 2006, she was like, you know, I am working on new music right now. And they were like, uh, what? And then it started getting reported, like, Joni Mitchell has a new album coming out? She's making a new album? What is this all about? And thus, kind of the uh, talk about this album of Shine began. So the songs from Shine come from multiple places. They come mainly from things of politics and war. Uh, Some, you know, talks about kind of there's some family and happiness elements. uh, But mainly it's about, you know, destruction of society, environmental change, kind of the end of days, you know, happening soon. They're very much looming over the music and lyrics. But not in a too, not in a heavy way, just in a you know, very matter-of-fact way. She's very clear about what she's trying to put across without making it too depressing, I think. She did a good job with that. Um, I think a big part of it is the music on this album. So this album, I was reading, and a lot of critics were comparing this to, like, her For the Roses work, her Blue work. I wouldn't compare this to Blue at all. I would compare this mainly to For the Roses musically. I think if you listen to For the Roses and you listen to this, there's not too much of a difference with the musical sound besides some of the synth beats that she adds on like songs like Hannah and uh, Night of the Iguana. But those are really the only two songs where it's very drastically different. I think, if anything this album sounds sonically a little bit better in some points than For the Roses. Like, I think the music on If is amazing. I think the music on If I Had a Heart is so good. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to talk about that song. But uh, yeah, this album, she stripped it back and made it a lot more raw, which works with the themes of this album for sure. Like this sort of environmental, outdoor kind of feeling uh, of a lot of the songs, uh, especially because the environment plays such a big role into the themes of this album. So... There's that. Um, at this time, Joni also, speaking of war, 
Joni was making a art exhibition called Flag Dance, which was on the Iraq War. And um, it was done mixing photography of her broken TV and sort of paint on top of that. And so she was preparing this sort of our art exhibition about war because she said, you know, I didn't want to do an art exhibition with my other paintings because it's all things I like. And that's too, you know, too sentimental, but war, sure. You guys can talk about war. So she did a exhibition on war. And at this time in Canada, uh, Jean Grand Matier, I think that's how you pronounce his name was working on a ballet, a Canadian ballet that was going to be called dancing Joni. And it was going to be about Joni's career, like, told through ballet. It was going to begin with her 1969 version of Both Sides Now and end with her older one. And it was going to have, like, a character that looked like Joni do the ballet. And so he presented it. Jean presented it to Joni. And was like, hey, I'm working on this ballet of you. Like, what are your thoughts? And she was like, you know, it's good. And he And he asked her if she had any other ideas. And she was like, well, I am working on this, you know, art exhibition. And he looked at the painting she was doing for it. And he was like, oh, I love this. We we must have this in the ballet. And she said, well, we, we can't have it in the ballet because this is all about war. She said, I can give you a war ballet, but it's going to be my most unpopular material. Uh, you'll probably have all of your sponsors pull out and it's going to be very, a very big challenge. But he said, you know, I'll do it. Yes, I'll do it. And so in turn, they made a ballet called The Fiddle and the Drum, um, which was about war and kind of the current social landscape using the images of kind of things from the flag dance art exhibition, as well as the songs of Joni Mitchell's career that kind of deal with war. And it's really, she's right. It is her most unpopular material. I mean, it, I think some of the songs, I don't have the list of the set list, but it's like, I think the three great stimulants is on it. Um, is the reoccurring dream on it? Maybe like it's uh, the beat of black wings is on it. It's like all of her, like, a lot of her 80s stuff, I can see, I see like that. And also, uh, the redone version of Big Yellow Taxi was done as the encore here, which makes it onto this album, actually. Um, and the ballet was, mm, did not great, get great press. Uh, as it was hard to find a lot of reviews on it, but it seems like it just wasn't as well liked as Joni thinks it was. Like, I think she thinks it was better than people gave credit for. I, I don't know. I didn't see the ballet. I have no, I have no understanding. Um, but critically the album shine, not the ballet, but the album shine did seem to be very well liked or enjoyed. Uh, it was given an 8.0, 8.0, just an eight from pitchfork, uh, actually a few years ago when they did a re-release of it. So, I mean, if it gets an eight from pitchfork, I base all of my, <laughs> all of my musical understandings come from that website. No. Uh, so critics did seem to like it. I think that they liked her more stripped back approach compared to a lot of the other things she had been doing. Also, Joni got a Grammy for this album for best pop instrumental performance of one week last summer, the opening track of this album. And that same year, alongside Herbie Hancock, she won album of the year, uh, for River, the Joni Letters. How about that? Joni fucking won album of the year. Well, Herbie won album of the year, but Joni also got it because she was the inspiration for the album, I guess. Um... And that's, like, insane that, like, a jazz album won album of the year. There's a huge, huge shock by that because I think that same year Amy Winehouse was nominated and Kanye West was nominated, but uh, Joni and Herbie pulled it off and won. So I really recommend River, the Joni Letters, actually, though. It's a great album. Um, some of the versions on there that I really like, I love Tina Turner, RIP. I love her version of Edith and the Kingpin. So fun. I love Joni's version of the Tea Leaf Prophecy and that sort of jazz styling. That's great as well. Um, 
Who else? Uh, someone does a version of Court and Spark that I really like on that album. Oh, I don't have the name with me, but she does a great version of Court and Spark. So it's a it's a great album. I recommend it. But uh, yeah, one album of the year at that time. So a very fulfilling year. I think she had said that this was probably one of the most fulfilling years of her career at this time. So that's awesome. Um, and yeah, so Shine really was a, an album that took me a long time to get into. But looking at it now, I seem to really have a way different perspective, which I'll get into. And I'm, I'm very just excited to talk about it. I don't know. I, and I think that critics really were excited by this new perspective of Joni Mitchell at this point in her life. I think that they really enjoyed it as well. And uh, yeah, so we'll get into that. But first, before I do that, I will get into the artwork of this album, which is my least favorite Joni Mitchell album art. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Everyone's gonna... Actually, no one's gonna hate me. I think everyone agrees with this, right? Like, are we all in agreement that Shine has the worst cover? Like, it's just the worst. Like, it's a picture of Joni's ballet dancers from the fiddle and the drum ballet like, leaping in the air towards some, like, moon or sun in the sky with, like, clouds coming in. And it's... It, it's very weird to use the ballet as, like, ballet dancers as the cover and not put, like, Joni on the cover or, like, a painting, like... Like, I don't know why she didn't do, like, a painting from, like, the Flag Dance art exhibition. Like, that may, would have made a little bit more sense than, like, the ballet. I don't know. It just, it doesn't work for me, whatever, whatever this was. I really didn't, didn't really like it. Also, like, the dancers are, like, kind of naked. That was another thing. Like, like at stores, it had to be, like, put, like, a sticker on it to cover it up because, like, the, like, singers are, like, or the dancers have, like, their asses out. I mean, kind of. I mean, I don't know. It's, like, someone out. But yeah, this cover is just this this was a missed cover. I like the color palette of it. I think the color palette is very shine esque, but just the actual image, I'm like, Ugh, no, no, Joni, what were what what were you thinking with this one? I don't know. But uh like I had said on Travelogue, I don't really expect much out of an artist this long into her career to give like the most innovative album cover of all time. Like she has amazing ones already, so if this one isn't great, I can excuse it. I won't I won't include my judgment of this album with this artwork. I'll keep those two things separate because I don't think this artwork is, you know, is enough is bad enough to where I have to t- dox points on the actual <laughs> rating of this album that I'll give. So yeah, but uh, it's just not, it's not great. I, I don't know why they didn't just do something, something else, but that's Joni's call, not mine. So now let us get into the actual songs of Shine, which I am very excited to talk about. Know that a lot of my opinions on these songs are pretty new because I am so new into the album Shine. It's kind of like the album Both Sides Now uh, from 2000 that I covered. Like I haven't heard these songs for too long, so my... Uh, my feelings on them are pretty fresh. They're not, you know, as long standing as some of my other album opinions. So we'll we'll see how how it goes. But uh, yeah, let's begin with the opening track, the Grammy winning opening track, the final opening of all Joni Mitchell albums. One week last summer, I have to admit it is a pretty bold ass move to open your final studio album with an instrumental track. I think that that's pretty, pretty bold. Many artists don't really do that. Uh, I'm trying to think of other artists that have opened on an instrumental. I mean, I guess you could say the Chromatica opening is instrumental. Yeah, sure. But it's not a full track. Like, this is a full three to four minute track uh, of instrumental Joni Mitchell playing the piano with some other instruments kind of coming in and out. And it is, it is really good. I really, really enjoy this, like, 
very serene, peaceful opening to the album. Um, like it's just something unlike any anything else Joni had done for an opening of her album. It was something new. I guess no no one be a bitch and say that Overture, Cotton Avenue it was a like instrumental opening. That fucking wasn't. It was a prelude into the song Cotton Avenue. So just everyone calm down. That's not not the same thing. This was a full instrumental track that won a Grammy for Best Pop Instrumental Performance. I'll have you know. So, uh, this piece of music is sort of kind of the genesis for how the whole album was made because, so Joni was in retirement, obviously, and she was sitting outside on her Vancouver house that she's owned since 1969. She was with her neighbor and they're looking out and just like, and they both were like, this is just so beautiful. And we'll get into kind of what he said in the next song, but they were just both looking out like, God, we are so lucky. I'm so grateful for everything that we have. And, you know, they both went inside and yada, yada, yada. The night went on and Joni that night was walking around her house and thought, ah, I, I just am so, I'm so grateful. I'm so happy right now. I want to just go, just go play the piano for some reason. She hadn't played in about 10 years and just decided to sit down and start playing. And so she came up with this piece entitled Gratitude that later became One Week Last Summer. And it's just this beautifully constructed, constructed melody with like a true sense of harmony in the sound and the chords being played. Like, I love hearing Joni Mitchell on piano on this album because there's like four true piano tracks on this album. And it's so great that she finally came back to a skill that she's so good at that people don't even like, people always talk about her guitar playing, but Joni Mitchell is such an amazing piano player. Like her piano stuff is so good. I think about like anything on For the Roses, her piano playing is absolutely brilliant. This song is so For the Roses-esque, like it's crazy. Or uh, Paprika Plains, her piano playing. I mean, she's great. And it's the melody and playing that she does on this track is so, so good. And the album is, it opens the album to a sort of hopeful note. There's this like relaxed, hopeful note of something peaceful. And I feel like if you didn't know anything about this album going in, you'd be like, oh, this is going to be a very like happy and calm album. Now that's going to change in a few tracks, but for now it's leading into, I think this album opens up to where Joni Mitchell is was in retirement this is how she will like how she was feeling she was just feeling very grateful relaxed enjoying the beautiful place that she lives in but there's something that's going to be coming up that sort of wrecks that and that's you know all the things going on in the outside world like war and things of that nature um i was going to point out that i love the saxophone on this song which is not done by wayne shorter he's not on this album it is done by bob shepherd who did a great job. It sounds really, really nice. And also there is a synth keyboard, like echo sound on the song. There's a synth keyboard on, I think a lot of them, but it's very soft. And it's like, she it's she's getting so much better at using synths in her music than like how intense they were in the beginning. Like she's finally able to fully incorporate them really well with her like style. And so I really, I don't mind them here. And uh, I don't know this, I said that this instrumental section reminds me a lot of the middle section of Let the Wind Carry Me, if anyone knows what I'm talking about. But they have a similar vibe to them that I really like. Uh, Let the Wind Carry Me and For the Roses, I should say. So, uh, yeah, it's a soft, but it's a beautiful start to open this album. Um, there's not much to say because there's not a lot of the lyrics, but I really, really like One Week Last Summer. It's a, a good opener. Not my favorite Joni opener because it's instrumental, but I still really, really like it. So, uh, yeah. Now we'll go into song number two, which is kind of a 
continuation on the same story, but a different song, which is entitled This Place. Yes, This Place. So the song was also um, a part of this early conversation with her neighbor where he had told her while they were looking out at the water in Vancouver at this beautiful home, he said, if when I get to heaven, you know, like when I die and I get to heaven, if heaven doesn't look like this, I'm just going to come right back. And Joni was so kind of interested by that idea. She was like, huh, you know, like, is this really, is this better than heaven? Is this idea so beautiful? Like, I love this place so much, don't I? And like, there's this feeling of like peaceful serenity of living and how lucky she is to be where she is at this most glorious place, this beautiful home in Vancouver. And it's like, nothing can beat this exact moment right here. Like, I guess, I don't know. It's like the little things sometimes are the most beautiful. And I think that's what really striked her about that comment and just about this day, this beautiful day. And, uh, this song is very, it's playful, but it's also very, uh, poignant for a lot of the lyrics she gives. Uh, I'll get into that in a second. I was going to say the music of this song, of this song is like so, so good. I love it. It's on an acoustic guitar and there's like a pattern that she's playing in that is, I can't, it seems very complex. Maybe it's just deceivingly complex, but it really, it feels that way when I hear it. Cause it's like, it's like there's this like slapping mixed with like it's like a percussive playing that sounds very hard that I I really couldn't do I tried I was gonna open this podcast episode with me playing this place on guitar but I just it just wasn't gonna happen (laughs) there was just no way so uh note that great acoustic guitar playing on this song that I love I miss Joni on acoustic guitar so it's great to hear it again and uh yeah the song begins with her sort of talking about the things around her that she's seeing that she's just so grateful for that she loves one like the sparkling ocean an eagle at the top of the tree all of these little things that she just loves and she's going through that but then as I had said earlier, there's something kind of on the outside that sort of seeps in her mind periodically while she's in this peaceful place. And that's the threats going on in the outside world. You know, so she says, you see these lovely hills. They won't be there for long. They're going to tear them down and sell them to California. Uh, Here come toxic spills. Miners poking all around. When this place looks like a moonscape, don't say I didn't warn you. And so I love that. I literally love that line so much because she clearly, she has been warning us like her entire career. She's been warning us on what's going to happen. And it's like, at this point, she's almost aware that none of this like harmony, this nature isn't going to last. But at this point, she's like, I did all that I can. And she's just more content with the idea that, you know what? There's nothing else I can do. I gave you my final warning. I have tried to warn you guys and no one's going to listen. So just kind of reap what you sow in this case. And so that's sort of the vibe I get from this song, honestly. Like, and she says, like, money makes the trees come down. Like, it makes mountains out of molehills. Like, she's so aware of the cycle that's going to come eventually. But she, she tried her best to stop it and no one listened. So she's like, well, fuck off, you guys. You know, you get what you get. And so I just, I don't know. I really like that sort of feeling mixed with the other feeling of this song. That's just about the beautifulness of beautifulness. Is that a word? The beauty of this place she's at? Like, 
I love the line, spirit of the water, give us all the courage and the grace to make genius of this tragedy unfolding, the genius to save this place. So there is a bit of hope there, but I would say for the most part, she's aware that it's probably not likely. And so that's sort of what this song goes into. But I love, this is probably one of my top tracks from Shine. I think it's so fun. The lyrics are great. The music is very relaxed and fun. I I overall really, really enjoy this song. It's kind of, this to me is more the opening than One Week Last Summer because it's the first one with lyrics. So I consider this more like the opening track, but I I really, I think it starts the album on a a great note. But there's also, it starts bringing in those sort of political the world destructing sort of feelings that start coming in on this song as well, which become more and more prevalent the more the album goes on, especially with the next song that I'll get into entitled If I Had a Heart. My heart is broken in the face of the stupidity of my species. I can't cry about it. In a way, I'm insulated. I've suffered this pain for so long. The West has packed the whole world on a runaway train. We are on the road to extincting ourselves as a species. Says Joni Mitchell about this song. <laughs> I thought I would start this song with a, a dramatic, cold reading of Joni's quote about this song. Um, so, if I had a heart... <laughs> how did that go? Is it, was that very scary for people? I don't know. If I had a heart is sort of the first big political song of this album. And this melody, I think it was the New York Times described it. They said that this is one of the most haunting melodies Joni Mitchell has ever made in her career. And I beg to agree with that. This one is dark as hell. Like, you just feel this, like, very gloomy, almost, like, end-of-the-world vibe from this song. I mean, she opens it. She calls things out on this album very directly. She says, Holy war, genocide, suicide, hate and cruelty. How can this be holy? If I had a heart, I'd cry. And basically that sentiment of if I had a heart, I'd cry goes back to that quote where she's just so, she's just been suffering this pain for so long trying to think about like what goes on in this world and how just all these horrible things that keep happening over and over again to the point where she's like, I can't even be, I can't even cry over it because I'm just so like cold. I'm like, so, you know, that feeling of like when you're so numb to something, you can't even cry anymore. Cause it's just like, you don't like there's you don't expect anything less. I think that's sort of how she feels about the decisions humans keep making over and over again. And obviously, I think that the holy war she's referencing at the time is the Iraq war, um, which at the time was becoming, you know, a very big, a big problem for a lot of Americans wondering why we were there. Why are why are we fighting a war that doesn't seem to have a lot of justification or isn't being done correctly? I think a lot of people feel that George Bush's, um, you know, plan for the Iraq war wasn't very well thought out. And in turn, we had a lot of problems and a lot of innocent civilians over there died. Um, a lot of soldiers died. And I think Joni is just like, why are we doing this war? Like, are we trying to justify it as some sort of holy war? I think that's really what this song is about. Um, but there's also a lot of stuff about like the environment. Like we set our lovely sky on fire. There's too many people now, too little land. Um, that line though, I don't know how well that line aged because I think humans are on the, on the decline. Did anyone else read that? Like, like that, like we are like not populating. I know this is such a side note, but like, did anyone else like see that? Like we are, our growth 
like our birth, the birth rate is going down. People are having less and less children. Well, no shit. No one wants to have children because no one wants to like put children into this fucking dark world. And this song maps out that dark world completely. This dark and haunting world paired on top of these dark and haunting lyrics. Um, it's There's something interesting though. On this song, she says, dream on. And it's like that concept of dreams, dreamland, uh, and the reoccurring dream comes back um, for this idea. I think it's like the only way to have hope anymore is to like be in your dreams. Like your dreams are the only way you can even see any positive future. It's like something about the word dream for Joni Mitchell. It holds some sort of special plate because it is a theme. Dream on is a theme throughout her entire career. It's very, very interesting. Um, and at the end she asks, Holy earth, how can we heal you? Like, we like what is the possible way that we can fix this shit that we're in but she's not sure cuz i think that she's like i don't even have the heart to cry and be upset about it anymore like i think the world doesn't have a heart anymore like we're all kind of heartless in a way like i think we're all so used to the chaos in the world around us that we have a hard time even feeling emotional it's like how many times a year are we going to hear about a school shooting happening it's like you almost become numb to that you're just like well that's just another day in the world another day of people having that happen or how many times are we going to hear about you know someone being murdered or hate crime all these things that just happen over and over again to the point where we become so desensitized to it like and i think that's sort of what this song is about it's very spooky like the resonance of a lot of these lyrics. Um, also, I was going to say the lyric on this song, um, strange birds of appetite, uh, was almost, uh, a name for this album. She almost was going to name this album, strange birds of appetite instead of shine, which that would have been really, that would have been kind of eerie to name this album, strange birds of appetite. I think that would have been kind of cool, but shine's still a good title. I'm fine with that. Um, and the last thing I wanted to note with this song was, I just love the, the piano playing on here. Joni's piano is absolutely amazing. And this song is one of her best piano pieces. I will say that. I love the chords, the way she plays it. It's so good. I tried my best to replicate it, but guys, you know I'm not fucking Joni Mitchell. Like, I can't I can't play like her. What does Lana Del Rey say? I know that I'm not Joni Mitchell, but I got a dad who plays like Billy Joel. I don't have a dad that plays like Billy Joel, but you know, I'm not Joni Mitchell. <laughs> There's the way I can relate to Lana on that one. So, uh, yeah, before I get too deep into the politics and start annoying people, uh, like I feel like I did on Dog Eat Dog. I don't know, though. People seem to like that one. So, but anyways, um, I'll get into the next track, which is a fun, a way, way good sidestep from the sadness entitled Hannah. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to say yes after every song. Hannah is the break from the political sphere of this album. And it is pretty much probably a character song about, uh, the character Hannah from the movie white banners from 1938, which is about a poor Irish woman who arrives in a Midwestern town and integrates herself with a family there while concealing the true reason for her arrival, which is the desire to see her son that she was forced to give up for adoption years ago. I wonder why Joni felt inspired by this song. <laughs> Does that plot sound familiar? Very familiar. <laughs> uh, I don't know really what, why she, what made her want to write a song about this movie, but, you know, Joni was retired, so she was probably watching a lot of TV and was inspired, you know, oh, I, maybe she saw this movie on TV and was like, oh, what if I wrote a song about it? Uh, you would say the same for the other song on this album, Night of the Iguana, which is also inspired by a uh, play slash movie. 
but uh, it's not up to me or not up to me to figure out why she chose it. Anyways, the song Hannah is very fun. It is very jarring. I have to admit, if you're like wanting to listen to this album for the For the Roses vibes, skip this song. <laughs> skip this song and skip Night of the Iguana because you're just not going to get that at all. Um, like it is, uh, it, it is kind of an intense song. Like the programmed beats with the rock guitar are pretty, pretty fucking intense. Like they, they thrash out a lot. And like, even like the saxophone is like pretty intense on this song, but I kind of love it. I, I like this song in the same way. I like lead balloon where it's like, it's so intense, but it's so good. Like, I love the way she's just like. Hannah, Hannah, like it's so, it's so fun. I don't know. And there's just like a playfulness to this song that is a great break from the darkness that could be occurring on this album, which happens on a lot of the other songs. And I just, I like this song a lot. Some, I love the lyric. Hannah says, don't get me wrong. This is no simple Sunday song where God and Jesus come along and they save you. Or uh, you got to be braver than bad to tackle the beast alone. Was that a Taming the Tiger reference? I'm not sure. So yeah, I don't really know why Joni was inspired to write this song, but I have no complaints because I really like the song, Hannah, and I recommend people giving it a try. Like, give it a try just for like, think of it as like a fun, silly LOL kind of song, and then maybe you can enjoy it. Like, it's it's a fun one to dance to. You guys know I love dancing to a Joni Mitchell song. That's that's one thing I will say throughout my entire Joni Jams listenings I have kept true is that I love a good, fun, crazy dance Joni Mitchell song. And that to me is Hannah. I don't know. Maybe you won't agree with me. I don't care. <laughs> How about that? I'm getting bold. I'm getting older and bold like Joni on this album. So now that's all I think I have to say about Hannah. There's there's not a lot of things to dig into on that one. I'm just just letting you all know. The next song, which is We're Back in the Political Dark Sphere, is another dark piano ballad, which is entitled Bad Dreams. Spooky, spooky. Now, this is the first Shine song I ever listened to. I don't know why. I think the title just intrigued me. And I liked this song more on my first listening than I did on my other ones, or like my more recent ones. Because on my first listening, I was like, oh, this is interesting. But... I don't know. This song kind of takes what was on I had a, If I Had a Heart. And instead of being, like, very profound, some of the lyrics just come across as a little whiny. Like, so phone zombies babble through the shopping malls. Like, that's a little, like... It, can, it, it comes off... A lot of the lyrics in this song come off as a little, like, old person whines about the young doing things different than them. Like, I, I feel like some of, some of the lyrics on here are a little bit like that. Which, like... It's fine. Like, I, I, I mean, as you get older, you feel differently about young people, but it's just not, I don't know. It's not super enjoyable to listen to. Uh, I do like the lyric, though. I guess I should be happy just to be alive. <laughs> I feel that way every day. I'm like, yeah, there's all these bad things going on, but you know what? I'm just lucky that I'm still here. I guess Joni at this time probably was feeling that way because, oh, I never even mentioned Joni during this time was going through her Morgellons. I mean, she's still going through it, but, like, she was becoming a lot more outspoken about how she has Morgellons, which is... Guys, look up Morgellons. I'm not even going to get into that. Um, (laughs) If anyone knows anything about Shine-era Joni, it's that she is just, like, a little... A a little blunt. A little kind of... Who is it that said Joni has the... uh, arrogance of Mussolini or something or is it Joni has the uh oh 
it's like the confidence of Mussolini. I don't know. But like that comes out a little bit in this era. Like she's a little intense. Like if you watch her, uh, I recommend her. What is it? Her BB? No, it's CBC. What's Canada's like news? Uh, the hour long interview where she that's the one where she does my the Bob Dylan impression that I love where she's like, sometimes I wish I had a character too. Look, I like a lot of Bob stuff. Like, that's that whole interview. I get all of those quotes from that. That's, like, very Shine era Joni kind of, you know, angry-ish vibes. Like, kind of, like, that that era, like, this whole era, sometimes in the interview she does have that tendency to come as, like, the old person whining. So, uh, that's a side note. Um, this song, Joni says, now, guys, I don't believe this at all. I'm going to say this. I think Joni Mitchell lied here. <laughs> she said... Her grandson at the age of three, guys, the age of three, she says her grandson said, and I quote, bad dreams are good in the great plan. No fucking way her grandson at three said that. Like, I know damn well he did not say that. He probably said, like, I had a bad dream where there was a man and Joni just took it as bad dreams are good in the great plan. Because she said that's the lyric that inspired this song. But does anyone else feel me, my skepticism on that? I'm like, I don't really, I don't know if he said that. I don't know a three-year-old that is able to articulate themselves like that. But maybe, I, I don't know. And what does that mean? What does that mean that bad dreams are good in the great plan? I don't know what that means. I wish I could tell you guys so I was able to explain this song better, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> What I do know is I like a lot of the lyrics uh, in like the latter half of the song where she's like, everyone's a victim, nobody's hands are clean. There's so very little left of wild Eden Earth, so near the jaws of our machine. I really like that line because, like, the wild Eden Earth, like, it's getting back to the garden. It's getting back to these environmentally conscious themes that she's had her whole career. I mean, think about Woodstock. We gotta get back to the garden. Think about Big Yellow Taxi. Think about uh, Ethiopia. I mean, these themes of environmental destruction go throughout her entire career, and so it's, you know back on this song as well. I love that she has an obsession with the Garden of Eden the way I do as well. I've always had a weird obsession with it. I don't know why. Does anyone else, like, maybe it's like being raised Catholic, you just have some sort of interest in it, but I don't know. That's <laughs> that's a side note. Um, but Joni definitely on this song is giving out her true feelings about how she feels people are are evolving into selfish and violent creatures, which is true. Uh, I think people even more today are evolving into selfish and violent creatures. Like, I think ugh, it's really sad, like, the way that the world is just so, it's so depressing. Like, there's just nothing positive, and it's so divisive, and these are really trying times, especially right now. But at this time, I think it was happening as well, and it's just, it's sad it's sad and depressing how little things have changed from this song. But, uh, yeah, another song that kind of goes into things that really haven't changed that are continuing to happen is the revitalization of her 1970, is it 71 or just 70 album, Ladies of the Canyon? Joni's big hit, Big Yellow Taxi. Yes. So fun to see this song get a get a new life. Joni loves the song. She sings it throughout her entire career. So she clearly like, you know, it works really well on here. I don't really have to, I don't think it takes like a genius to understand why this song works so well on this album because it has the same vibe, but this version of it is very different. It's very percussive and it's stripped in a way that's really, it's like this place. It has the same kind of sound as this place, but there's like a, 
our percussive, uh, percussive element to it that's really fun. It's like, so they paved paradise, put up a parking lot. Bum, bum. It's it's really cool. And I really like the sound of it. I don't know. I think it's fun. And uh, I think it's fun that she changed the lyric an ar- a dollar and a half just to see him. She changed it to an arm and a leg just to see him. And Joni said it's because like times are so dire and violent now that it's more than just a dollar and a half to see something to get anything. It's it costs an arm and a leg. Like things are it's even worse. And it's funny when you see Joni do that, like at like I think it was like at the Gourds last summer or at like Newport, where she like you can't see me, but like she like grabs her arm and she does like arm and a leg. She's like arm and then she grabs her leg, she's like leg. It's it's funny. I recommend watching. Um I don't know if I love the brass editions on this song. I think that they caught, probably could have been taken out and just highlight the guitar, but I like it. And I don't mind Joni's voice on this either. I know it's like weird to hear her sing this in an older voice, but I think it works really well with the song. And it's just, it's so, it's crazy. Like how this song, you could have told me it was written for this album and I would have believed you. Like I, I would have been like, yeah, that's probably right. I wish she would have done like a, like a paved paradise, put up a parking lot. But she doesn't really have the range, I guess, to do that anymore. So instead, at the end, she just is like, paved paradise. The paved paradise. Like, she's talking to herself. <laughs> it's, like, very silly. It's silly, Joni, which I enjoy on the on this song. So uh, I recommend this Big Yellow Taxi version. I know people don't like it, but I think it's really fun, and it works for this album. So I'm not going to hate on it, because I like it a lot. So, uh, yeah, now we go to our final last sort of big break from politics, which is a song that, guys, I, I, I don't know. Don't ask me what this song is really about. Watch the movie Night of the Iguana to understand it, I guess. But <laughs> it is the song called Night of the Iguana based on the Tennessee Williams play um, turned into a movie with, uh, I think, Richard Burton in it. And uh, yeah, Night of the Iguana. <laughs> like Hannah, this song has some music that is very different than anything else on the album. This one obviously has sort of a a Spanish quality to some of the music because uh, the movie is about like a priest going to Mexico on like a bus trip. I don't really know what the movie's about, guys. Don't ask me. But the music here is fun. I really like it. There's a mix of like synths, guitars. There's some soundboard moments going on. There's castanets going on when she's like, can you hear the castanets? Like they like pop in a little bit. It's very fun. Um, also in this song, we get a triple Joni rhyme just for fun. She's like, you know what? I'm going to, this is my last album of original material. I'm going to show them that I still got it. And she says, uh, oh, I don't have it written down, but it's like the night is so flagrant. These women so fragrant. They could make them a vagrant. Isn't that, that that's just like, like having three, three rhymes like that. I love that. I love a good triple rhyme moment. Um, again, I don't really know what the story's about, but I think it's a fun song or like, I, and I like the way she sings it. Like since the preacher's not dead, dead drunk will have to do like she sings it. Or when she says like the, Ooh, night of the iguana. It's, it's fun. Are you guys enjoying my musical stylings here? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I like it a lot. And there's an ending drumming on this song. That's like in a cool, like rhythmic, like, pattern that's fun I don't know I really enjoyed this song like I think I actually like this one more than Hannah like it's so it's so fun and it's there's not like too much deep things going on with it but who cares who cares let Joni have fun in her later age I don't know let 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 women have fun yes (laughs) whatever that means so uh after Hannah we have the final three songs which are sort of on that same 
dark political path as a lot of the other songs. Uh, the next one is very much that, which is another piano ballad uh, of political things entitled Strong and Wrong. So this song is all about how we keep making historical mistakes over and over again due to inflated egos and prides. I mean, she says, uh, men love war. That's what history is for, which is true. I mean, I, there's, there's, that is completely true. Like we, we clearly have some, uh, predisposition to wanting to continue fighting with each other for no other apparent reason than to just get some sort of power, over someone else and to inflate our own egos. I mean, this song is all about being self-involved. Oh my God, I can't speak. Unwilling to change. Um, allowing war to happen, even knowing the effects. Uh, she also says, she repeats later, she says, men love war. Is that what God is for? Like, is is that like the irony of like the holy, a holy war and being like, are you really trying to use God to justify why you're going into other countries? Um like, Joni says, like, the song is talking about Christianity worshipping egos. Like, George Bush saying that he talked to God last night. I see it as him having a chat with his ego instead of God. Which is true. Like, like God is not, in my opinion, God is not justifying war. That's you looking at yourself and saying, and trying to make yourself feel better about causing so much harm. You're like, oh, well, God told me I could do it, so it's not, it's not a bad thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's not true. I would say musically, this song has some really good piano playing in it. Obviously, Joni is showing off her piano skills a lot on this album, and the melody here is really cool. And there's and there's a lot of passion in the in the way she sings like a lot of the song. Like, there's like an anger and a passion that is really intense. Like when she does like the the shock and awe there, where she's like shock and awe, shock and awe. Like she's 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 kind of pissed off. It's it's very interesting, and it's like it's just a great study on. Do humans not learn from themselves? Like, do we not learn from our own past mistakes? Like, is the point of history not to learn what not to repeat? I mean, in my opinion, that's what history is for. But I, I guess not. I guess people would are just and would rather be look strong and be dead wrong than do anything that's dead correct, which is really really frustrating. So yeah, strong and wrong is a song I like a lot, and uh. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't want to get on too much of a soapbox here, like, trying to talk about some of these songs. I feel like I'm going to get, like, annoying, and I don't I don't want to do that. So I'll move on. Um, I'll move on to the title track of this album, which is entitled Shine. Ah, oh, Shine. Now, I have to say, guys, I don't love this song. I'm not even going to, like, try to hide that. I really, it's just kind of boring to me. Like, it's very slow. Uh, it musically boring. I'll say that. It's very slow and soft. And the main purpose is kind of repeating this aspect of letting, like, someone's light shine. It's inspired by um, the uh, church song that's, like, the Sunday school chant of, like, like this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Like, that whole thing. Um, it's actually kind of interesting. I didn't know this, but did you know that James Taylor really liked this song? And he can be heard on bits of it because he, like, was, like he like did some stuff with it. So that's kind of a fun little fun fact. But, um, Joni said that this song could have been 14 minutes instead of seven. Cause this song is very long. It's seven minutes. And I'm like, please Joni never ever release a 14 minute version of the song. Cause shit, this is long enough. <laughs> that's mean. I just don't love it. I don't know. But she said when she was recording this track, she was sick and it reminded her a lot of recording blue because she was sick while recording blue as well. 
And uh, so they have similar cadences, but I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't see that thing. Uh, lyrically, there's so many things she talks about. She basically, like, let, like, she's asking everyone. She's, like, allowing everyone to shine. Like, shine on technology. Shine on an, another asshole passing on the right. Shine on mass destruction in God's name. Like, she's shining on everything. And it's, like, it, it goes through all points of the world. Like, I don't really know what made her use this title like for the title of the album i'm not sure part of me thinks that she's saying like like shine means like shine the truth and expose the ironies of like all the bad in society so we see what's morally wrong and right again like kind of like saying like please just allow all the the truths of the world to shine through so we can see what's right and wrong again that's kind of what i think that's about but i don't know and at the end she's like like allow all the light all the light shall shine. So it's like she wants the light to shine, maybe to expose, you know, the bad and try to bring out some of the good, like light can bring good. I don't know. It's kind of a confusing thing, but I recommend if you're like wanting a more in-depth analysis, I recommend listening to the actual song and just anytime she brings up a reference, just like looking up the reference because there's so many different things that are talked about that I don't really have like, you know, the time to talk about in a podcast episode but there's a lot of things going on that are interesting it's just i i'm not really sure how to feel about this song so my opinions on it are a little like lax i don't know there's not too many things i can say about it but uh yeah i it's it's a fine title track i'm not gonna hate on it more than i need to um and with that oh my gosh yes oh here we are so this is everyone This is the final new Joni Mitchell track, a closing track, other track that I will be covering on this podcast, I think. Uh, Oh, wait, I have an exception that I'll talk about next week. But for the most part, this is and the song is entitled If. Wow, it's crazy. So this is a closing track that is based on the uh, Rudyard Kipling poem If from 1910. And uh. I always like when Joni reworks other material in, like, a new way. And she does this in sort of a jazz way and, like, rewrites this poem in sort of a cool song vibe. It has a great rhythm, an interesting sound. The way she sings it is great. Like, I like the if, bum, 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 da, da. Like, there's a fun little rhythm going there. And uh, this song is a great, like, final, final call to everyone. She's, like, she wants people to, like, seek truth have a heart, fight, seek insight. And if you do all of those things, like, you'll be all right. She says that, like, I know you'll be all right. And you've got the fight, you've got the insight. So if you follow all of these things, these sayings that she's talking about in this poem or the song that, like, Rudyard Kipling talks about as well, then you'll be fine and you'll be able to conquer the evil in the world, the evil in the world being the thing she's talked about earlier on this album, you know, on songs like If I Had a Heart and Strong and Wrong. And it's a very great message. I love that she ends with this sort of message of empowerment and saying all of these, like, that you have the fight and you have the insight. You can do it. Like, I gave you, I'm giving you the, like, knowledge to fight and you can use that to make the world a better place. And I I love that as a final message. Like, that is such a beautiful way to end her career and this album. And I, I just love it so, so much. And, um... Yeah, I think that's all I have to say about it. I I just, 
I really like this song. I don't know. There's not, it's not like a ton to say, but I really, really like it as a closing track and as a closing to her career. I think it's great. And, uh, yeah, so that is shine. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I missed. I don't think so, but that is shine. I'm, I'm kind of getting sad actually sitting here thinking about it. I'm like, wow, that is, that is the final Joni Mitchell album song that I will be going through. And it's like, it's absolutely crazy because I, when I started this podcast, I remember like starting on, I had a King and I never, I I mean, like it felt like 300 years away that I would be reviewing if, you know what I mean? Like it just seemed so far fetched that that would ever even be something that I was going over, but it's happened. And that's, I'm proud of myself, I guess, for making it this far. Thank you all for listening so much. I mean, obviously I'll have another episode to talk about this uh, in my final episode. Well, kind of mini episode. It won't be very long. But uh, yeah, I just, it's crazy. It's crazy that this album's over. So with that, I will give my final album ranking. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. My final album ranking. So what am I going to give the last Joni Mitchell album shine? I... Like I said, guys, earlier, I kind of gave a hint. Pitchfork rules everything I do. And I'm also going to give this album an 8 out of 10. Uh, Not a 10 out of 10 because there are some things that are not so interesting about this album. But overall, for a final album of Joni Mitchell this late in the game, I think it's great. Um, My favorite song on this album is If I Had a Heart. Uh, Just, I I love that song so, so much. And my least favorite song is Shine, which is kind of funny because I'm about to end this episode with me playing Shine on piano. But I like it on piano more than I like it on the like guitar synth thing that she does in the actual song. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it's funny how that works, right? Um, but yes, thank you all so much for listening to this episode and just for listening along this entire way. Um, I have some things in store for next week uh, that all that will be exciting besides the album ranking and stuff. And just kind of I'll be doing a little epilogue on uh, where Joni has been. Shine, kind of the final chapter. I mean, she's not dead, but you know, the final chapter is so far. I mean, maybe she'll surprise me and release another studio album. And if she does, I'll be sure to um, come back on here and give my opinions for it. So, so thrilling to do. But um, yes, I will see you all on the final episode next week. And just thank you all so, so much for listening to today and to all the episodes and um yeah let your little light shine you guys i appreciate it bye